Now, I must say, it's a bit strange to be here today. Now, some will say that it's strange to worship God in a VFW. I tell people about our chapel service and almost always hear in reply, you mean in a bar? Well, that's the benefit of having a former chaplain as a priest. The non-traditional setting is totally normal and not considered to be an obstacle to traditional worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But what is strange today is that you will be hard-pressed to find a church open, really, anywhere in the world this Sunday. The understandable fear and precautions against the coronavirus has caused churches all around the world to shut their doors and suspend services indefinitely. Now I have to make a little side comment for our online listeners. Be assured that we have safety precautions in place, that everyone here is sitting at a distance from each other, that we are under the 10-person limit created by the Centers of Disease Control, and additionally, our chapel members who are at a greater risk, either due to their own state of health or age considerations, are staying isolated and are joining those who listen online today when they will listen at online at home. And we declare today, as special intentions of the Mass, the worldwide corona pandemic, all of those who are sick, those grieving over the deaths of friends and family around the world, for those who are out of work and suffering economic hardship, for the many workers who are at work and therefore placing themselves at risk through potential exposure, and the many specialists in the medical field, whether it be immunology or infectious disease, those in nursing care and every other level of medical service who are taking care of people in this time and particularly those who are racing to find a way to fight this virus. In light of all of the above, particularly our numbers and, and being a limited access today, although our doors are open to everyone under normal circumstances, this is a private mass and therefore not violating the public assembly restrictions. Now all of those things kept in mind, it is the reality of the limits that have been placed upon us that makes this morning's experience strange and different. The handshakes, the hugs, the kisses of greeting are missing this morning. The reality is that we are all, all of us all around the world, facing a strange enemy that we do not understand. A virus that attacks and passes from one person to the next with an incredible rate of transmission because until now it didn't exist and therefore there's no vaccine against it like there are the other diseases that have done the same thing in times past. So it finds it moving from person to person easy. 
And as the doctors and the scientists race to find a way to stop the virus, the world, as a result, is gripped in fear. Those not afraid are angry because so many people are afraid. And secretly, most of those who are angry are angry because they are afraid and simply don't know how to express that. And that reality brings us to our passage. The passage in which the disciples said to Jesus, Who sinned? Was it this blind man? Is he blind because of his own sin? Or is he blind because of the sin of his parents? Please tell us it's somebody's fault and not some random reality. Because if it's somebody's fault, then we can guard ourselves against it. But if it's random, then it scares us. Some people might look at this question posed to Jesus as a prime example of victim blaming. I want to say a couple things about victim blaming. First, it's wrong. Just, it's simply wrong. Without any question. And then second, the reality is we all do it. At one level or another, we all do it. The people most frequently associate victim blaming with specific crimes and most often with sexual assault. But I can tell you from my experience last year with identity theft that it's actually applied everywhere. I got questions such as, kind of ironic in this time that we're talking about real viruses, did you use an antivirus for your computer? Did you have McAfee or Norton? What websites do you browse? And the questions went on and on. All of them aimed at saying, you had your identity stolen and I want to make sure it can't happen to me, so let me find something that you did wrong that I haven't done wrong so that I can feel safe. Any and every question thinkable, many I had never considered, all so people could distance themselves from the problem and say, this will not happen to me. Today, the disciples of Jesus, all of them saints of the church, are victim-blaming. Was it his sin or was it his parents' sin? we got to find who's at fault. Tell us so we can feel safe and know that it will not happen to us. Today, same thing is happening all around the world. Did you wash your hands? Did you touch your face? Did you go out in public when you were supposed to be social distancing? Etc., etc. Now, I'm not intending to insult these practices. They are indeed going to help slow the spread of the virus. And we're practicing them here today with washing and sanitizing and Lysol and hand sanitizer and everything else. But they are, for the majority, asked more out of fear than they are out of concern. Just like, did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus answers, neither. It was not his sin, and it was not his parents' sin. Feel free to be afraid, because there is no blaming of the victim here. 
It is indeed totally at random and nothing was going to stop it. This is one of those moments when I like to think we have reason to believe that the writers of the biblical text did everything that was thought and said. Because I am rather certain that a group of men who had all been commercial fishermen before Jesus called them to be his disciples, and we know this is a, a profession that has a rather rough exterior in general, not known for genteel ways of communicating, that their thoughts and maybe even their statements may have included a bit or even more of profanity as they took in exactly what Jesus was saying to them. Then Jesus said what nobody could expect. He is blind so that the works of God may be revealed. What does that mean? Well, in that case, the blind man was given his sight by Jesus who anointed his eyes with mud made of and spit. Jesus anointed the man's eyes and he was made able to see. The gospel goes on from there, but we'll address those matters in another year when this passage comes around in the lectionary again. Today, in the light of the circumstances all across the world, I want to say, no matter what we see and what we do not see, what fears and concerns may arise, God is at work. We may not understand what is going on. We may think God needs to do things our way, and we pretty much all do that, at least from time to time think to ourselves, if God would just get on board with my program, we'd all be better off. And we may even begin to doubt. And inevitably, doubt will lead to fear, and fear brings us back to victim blaming. I ask that you not allow yourself into that trap. God is at work. Why is it all happening? It is an important question but one that cannot be easily answered may not be able to be answered at all, at least not now while we're in it. And it's not going to be answered to anyone's simple satisfaction. But an answer is that it is to bring our attention to the works of God. What will it look like? How will it happen? Again, Not an easy answer. But might I suggest you ask him. After all, we are staying at home. We can only spend so much time on Facebook and YouTube and Netflix and all of the other forms of entertainment before we go a bit stir-crazy. Take this time when the entire world has slowed down to simply sit down and spend time with God. Talk with him like you've never talked with him before. As a friend, as a family member, as one who can be trusted, you will be glad that you did. Amen.